Good evening, fans. Tim Kittrow here, the voice of NBA Jam. And you're listening to the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast, brought to you by CodeWritePlay.com. Whoa, boom shakalaka. My mom gave birth in 1985. I was within a Pac-Man ghost, barely alive. In the cold world, my only blanket was Tetris. I played Rampart with Reagan Rampage, the world for breakfast. The laundromat was my sanctuary. The arcade was my church. I thought I was... I doubt we'll talk about anything that's going to get me in professional trouble. Although, if we do, give me a heads up now. I uh, I can't imagine that happening. If, if sure. You, if you think of something illegal to say, don't don't say it. Oh well, I know um, not to um, do that. <laughs> we've both <laughs> we've both been trained in not saying those things. I know I know how to not say things. Yes, we've done similar enough jobs. What's our? Um, I know I asked you about target audience before, but um, in terms of language, and you added some questions on that form. By the way. Especially like what's Cola Warrior? That could get spicy. Um, how are we with like vomiting sounds and just abject debauchery and foul language? The uh, and and this I'm completely neutral on this. If things get interesting enough, I throw up the explicit tag for the episode. And I I find that nobody cares one way or the other. I've never heard any feedback about it. It makes no difference at all. Sure. Okay. And then you also said something about news. I imagine that that's not political news for the most part, but <laughs> no, not really. And uh, to tell you the truth, most of the, the gaming world is focused on these new releases coming up anyway. There's not a ton to talk about in terms of news. I, in all honesty, especially with the way that gaming media in general goes, I would think that most of the audience would prefer that this stay on the polite conversation side of things, if you know what I mean. <laughs> we, uh, I think, I think this audience would impress you with their open-mindedness. Probably, but I don't know them, which is fine. <laughs> I can make new friends. That's uh, well, so let's make some new friends and let's dig into it. Tell these nice folks who you are and a little bit about yourself. So my name is Ted, and I go by Trojan Man. It's it got true. turned into Trojan Man SCP for Stock Class Paintball, which is where I met both Todd and the rest of OHC. So big in paintball, started playing in high school, and really had been playing video games before that. And I said, hey, when we're not on the field, what else can we do? So we kind of got this gaming group together, and we started with – I want to say Call of Duty Modern Warfare or Call of Duty 4 I, if you have to number it. Although you can't number them anymore. There's too many. That's I think true. that was our first game. You and I, yeah, that's true. I, first game together. That yeah. wasn't where I was going with that. But uh, yeah, so I'm a – in real life, I'm an engineer and I do uh, – let, let's call it um, military design and uh, approval. So it's uh, it's fun. It's good times. I'm a well, I guess I'm still a sailor. I still sail on occasion. Yeah. Working on big engines. It's nice and fun. Yeah. I'm kind of a smaller guy. So I got I always got to go inside any engine that you can fit your entire body into a piston cylinder is is good times. Right. I never thought about that. That's awesome. 
<laughs> maybe the, maybe not always. Yeah, my biggest was an 84 centimeter. So that's board diameter. So for you non, um, you know, for you people who use freedom units, that's about <laughs> that's about two and a half feet in diameter for the uh, for the piston, and that's each. Crazy. You know, and there's twelve of them. So good times, man. So you've you've seen the uh, the best of the engineering world, and that's uh, very cool. Sailing's a cool thing. You're uh, you're sort of in the fun part, I guess I would call it, of the uh, military career now. Something like that. I mean, I get paid more now than I used to, which is nice. But for the most part, uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same as it goes. Yeah. To to circle back, you and I met playing Modern Warfare. I, re- I remember specifically the first thing you ever said to me was, "A uh, <laughs> I got killed by a rocket," and you yelled, "You've got to pay attention, dude." <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that, but that's fair. I don't know why I remember, but that just popped back in my head the other day. Well, I was that's the thing. My favorite play in the whole game was whatever the whatever the sh- the loading dock, the shipping depot level was. Whenever we started outside, I would whip out my RPG, head to the right window, and just yeet one right down the hallway (laughs) and try and pick up as many as I could. Oh, a magical time. And I I do kind of regret sometimes that there's not a Call of Duty that we all actively play together. Um, I I know that's sort of a double-edged sword, but... Hey, who knows? That might change in, what, a month or so? Yeah, yeah, with this this upcoming, I don't know, re-release reimagining i think the franchise is ripe for a reboot it it needs something fresh people are saying cool stuff about this next one but the stuff they're saying is like the watch on the soldier really keeps accurate time and it's like okay what else do you know about this i did like the feature that they had a tamagotchi that grows when you get killed (laughs) i forgot about that I guess it's the 90s kid in me, although, you know, I'm dating myself here. I was I like to call myself part of the Nintendo generation. I don't like I, I don't feel like a millennial. I don't feel like an Xer or whatever stupid label you want to you want to give it. Um, I'm I'm an I'm an NES. Yeah, that's what I started playing on. And if you tell me, hey, that's great. I'm a Sega Genesis. Like, I know where you're coming from. Right. We ought to introduce ourselves that way as like a community. That's that's my platform. That's true. I think that's a fine way to identify yourself. I mean, our first war was the console wars. And uh, that's how we came up. I I think, and I've got it in the background behind me. I know you don't have um, video or on this podcast, but I built my kids a, uh, arcade cabinet using, you know, you just go on, um, you just go on Amazon. I got Suzo hat, but you can get, you know, any brand of buttons, mm-hmm. um, get a raspberry Pi and the retro Pi. Uh, it's kind of an open source community thing. It's just a ROM emulator, but it works with, uh, all sorts of consoles. It's, a really fantastic piece of software. Once you learn the 10 lines of Linux that you need to, and I'm not a programmer, so I, um, I, I will draw mechanically, by the way, I'll, I'll do the CAD and I, I'm pretty savvy, but man, once it comes to writing lines of code, I'm like, all right, pseudo what now? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but, um, 
So I've got them set up and they've got everything. But I find that thinking about my own youth, Mortal Kombat versus Street Fighter was a much bigger deal than the console wars of the Genesis versus Nintendo. You know, I <laughs> everybody likes Sonic the Hedgehog. Everybody likes Mario. F-Zero was an instant classic. I mean, I could go down the list, but everybody liked them. You talked crap to your neighbor just because it was a point of difference and you had to talk about something. But I find that where people actually got competitive was when there was money on the line and you had to put your quarter in the machine. And it was like, no, you better be good at this, son. It did feel very real to have your money in that machine. And like this person next to me could just make that go away forever. I won't get the quarterback. I won't get to keep playing. Why are you doing this to me? It was, it was vitriolic. Yeah, and then you had to stand there and watch as people better than you got to keep playing the game. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. That's the original Battle Royale right there. <laughs> we we did divide and conquer between the SNES and the Genesis. Uh, because You brought up neighbors. Because my neighbor down the hill had the SNES, I influenced my family at Christmas time to go after the, the discount Genesis when it came time. And so we all played everything, you know. Yeah, that's that's the way you do it. It's fan- there's not enough of that anymore. Now we're all worried about like Epic store this and PlayStation that like, Hey, let's, let's work together. Ah, uh, but then again, we were going over to each other's houses and sitting there cause there was no, well, technically the internet existed, I suppose, but yeah. not in any functional capacity. It wasn't as much fun. You're right. If you were at my house right now, we'd be more limited in what we could do together. Yeah. Isn't that weird? It, it's that's not what we expected from the future, to be honest. I mean, don't get me wrong. I do like a good couch co-op game and there have been some good ones. But let's take Overcooked as an example. Mm-hmm. The first one was couch only up to four players. Really just well designed. Um, it was a little intense, I think, for the casual market. Uh, I mean, obviously, there were casual levels in it and you could get by just fine. But that was that was a very intense game. But again, couch co-op only. The second one came out and they the first thing they added was online multiplayer. Yeah. And I understand why they did it. I mean, the sales numbers had to have been better. But I feel like there's a certain amount of magic there that like, no, you got to sit next to this person and this game requires communication. So talk to your friends, talk to your kids, talk to your spouse. Right. I don't know. It's it's telling what a what a standout title that is, you know, that's so rare now. What well, I mean, like yeah, I, cu- I couldn't even give you another example. Right. The last one before that was Castle Crashers, but it's not that you really couldn't do that uh, at long distance. So, so so part of why I had you on was because you yourself have dabbled in the YouTube and not just your contributions to OHC play, which we'll get into as well. But you've done a couple of things that have caught my eye and I wish you would do more. And oh, <laughs> you're see, people don't tell me that enough. And I get into these <laughs> tiny little projects and I'll do something. And a couple of people will be like, yeah, that was funny or that was cool. And and then I'll just I won't hear anything for a while and it'll just kind of go along. Um, I know you had asked me about my drink uh, cocktail videos. Yeah. And that all got started because I was on a, a, a web forum and there was an argument over how to properly make a martini. Now, as you can imagine, there were all sorts of morons in there bringing all these stupid ideas like, 
well, you have to use vodka. And I don't even like to add ice, to be honest. You're like, <laughs> all right, if you just want to drink shots of vodka, by all means, go ahead and do that. But you can't call it a martini just because you used the cocktail glass. That is not how this works. That is not how anything works. <laughs> the proper recipe for a martini must include gin, it must use ice, and it must use dry vermouth. Now, the ratio between gin and vermouth is hotly debated. I'll give you that. I personally settle around a one to seven, and my trick is if you measure out three or four ounces of gin, depending upon the size of your glass, I know everybody can't have nice baller big cocktail glasses, but hey, you work with what you can get. Pour that in your stirring cup, you at you you know over your ice and the cap for the vermouth holds the perfect amount of vermouth you fill up one capful you dump it in there you're good to go you've now it doesn't take a genius to measure this stuff but you do indeed have to measure it um buddy of mine alan he likes 3 to 1 which is a more i guess kind of turn of the century sort of thing that's fine. If that's the way you like it, that's the way you like it. Other people like it a little bit shyer, more of a 10 to 1. Personally, I find that if you just use good quality vermouth, you don't have to worry about adding too much. It's still going to taste good. Martini and Rossi's kind of crap. I use um, Annika and uh, – crap. What's the, what's the Italian one? Um, <laughs> Not sure. Man, now I can't even – I can't even remember. It's uh, got flowers on the label. Don't worry about it. I, <laughs> I, I use Martini and Rossi in this video. Anyway, so I make a Martini on video. I give a bunch of people I know some shout outs. And it was kind of this funny, lighthearted thing. And, you know, I think that's still maybe my most popular video with, oh, I'm, I'm overstating. It's probably like 1,500 views. It's not by any means. The big time. But pe enough people liked it that I kept doing it. And so, you know, there we are. I've got maybe a dozen or so cocktail how-tos. And I try to keep them funny and entertaining and do my old, you know, hey, double snap guns. And <laughs> you couldn't see that. That was my fingers. See, I got my start in high school for the school's morning news program oh. rather than just having a instructor read the news i guess over the loudspeaker they had tvs in the classrooms because we were one of those schools in the late 90s that needed technology <laughs> that was accompanied by jazz hands right and yeah so we had tvs in every classroom we pre-recorded the news they wouldn't let me do it live because <laughs> i don't know i don't know why at least a delay yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, no, all on VHS equipment. It was recorded on VHS with like a two-head system and, and they spliced it together and yeah. So I recorded it and I only wanted to be an anchor. I didn't want to screw around with the cameras or whatever. Like the whole AV club thing yeah. didn't interest me at all. I just wanted to be on TV. On-air talent, so, yeah. Yeah, so I, um, I tried out. They got me on there. And you know, hey, this is Ted Strab with Spartan Morning News. How are we today? And we go, you know, Spartans were the school's mascot. Sure. Um, yeah. Anyway, so, uh, which was really funny because I met my wife in high school. And every time I was on the news, they're like, your boyfriend's on TV. 
<laughs> so she she was really embarrassed, and that still somehow worked out, which is weird. So this is where some of this showmanship comes from. I'm I'm getting to the bottom of a lot of stuff tonight. So this may not be helpful for the listener, but it's helpful for me. Yeah, well, now you know the uh, now you know the backstory. By the way, Trojan Man also comes from paintball. It has nothing to do. Well, it, I guess it kind of does. So we're playing paintball in Smyrna, Delaware, and it's this wooded, swampy area out behind a bus depot. And I don't know how I did it. I decided eh, I'm not going to go straight at him this time. I'm going to just cut way around the side. And as I'm running the edge of the map, so to speak. I run into this porta potty and it's just inexplicably sitting in the woods. And I'm like, huh, why is there a porta potty here? But it is a particularly good bunker or a thing to hide behind when you're in the woods and the trees aren't that big. So I'm like, well, I'll post up here and I'll scout ahead and then I'll move. And I go around the porta potty and there's a stack of adult magazines. <laughs> now, your younger listeners won't remember this because now everything's online. But before the Internet, we used to have to look at um, dirty pictures on, like, paper. It, right. it was a weird thing. But anyway, so we had these – by magazine, I mean, like, multiple pieces of paper bound together uh, in a, you know, circulatable leaflet type. Um, anyway, no, maybe they no, don't know what paper No, or anything is. like that, no. Yeah, maybe I'm – overplaying this gag uh if i had pre-recorded <laughs> pre-written material maybe i'd perform better get that that was a performance joke for trojan anyway so i picked up a couple because as a teenage kid you don't leave perfectly good porno behind and the game ended i was way off in no man's land and they're blowing the whistle and they're like come on back we don't know where you are <laughs> so i come walking out of the woods holding, you know, a couple of issues of whatever it was in my hand. And I'm like, hey, guys, look what I found in the backside that was facing the group of friends that I was with had an advertisement for Trojan condoms. And <laughs> so they were like, oh, look, it's Trojan Man. And I was like, hey, I'll use that. <laughs> and that's been so, with us ever since. Yeah, I'm just, I guess, unimaginative, and I also don't want to be the, well, I think you and Matt went over the list of epic gamer tags, so I'll spare, I'll spare them that. We started to, but it is a long list. But I mean, this is part of the joy of playing games with you. You're either uh, very into it, very aggressive going after the win, or we're on one of these sort of like, let me tell you about martinis. And like, first of all, we have to circle back and I need to know where you even learned all that. <laughs> um, oh, martinis. I actually got a couple of books. I could not tell you what they are, but um, there is quite a historian ish kind of niche for um, that turn of the century kind of uh, stuff, because a lot of it was lost during Prohibition. And mm -hmm. so all the people that kind of forensically went back and interviewed people and got to know, hey, how actually should we drink again? And so there was this whole cocktail revival movement in the 50s um, back when people, you know, it's post-war. People became more affluent and, uh, 
you've now got the opportunity to sit down and enjoy a cocktail. So uh, shows like Mad Men, um, what was his name, Richard Dreyfus, or I'm not sure, famously drank Old Fashions. Well, that's a turn-of-the-century cocktail that was kind of like rebirthed in the American 1950s. Yeah. Isn't Richard Dreyfus the actor? Oh, maybe. I don't Are you know. Are of Don I, Draper? Don, there you go. Thank <laughs> you. I didn't really watch the show. I did enjoy the uh, the elevator scene where he's like, I don't think of you at all. And you're like, oh, snap. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. My favorite one of the martini uh, videos, you, you had mixed a drink and it involved some salt. And so the, the hook of the video is you had your wife shoot you in the face with the salt shotgun. Yeah, the the us uh, the bug assault. <laughs> the bug That's assault. It. That was back during uh, the bug assault 1.0 days. Now there's a version two, and I think they call the version three the lawn and garden special <laughs> or something. I don't even know. But these things have gotten progressively more powerful. I don't know where it's going to stop. I think pretty soon we're going to need a background check for version four or five. <laughs> I was wondering but, about the bug assault update. I didn't know if the ATF had stepped in. So I'm trying to do, I'm like, Hey, let's do a tequila shot. Cause somebody gave me this bug assault, salt shotgun thing, um, as a kind of a gag gift Christmas present. It's weird. Cause I still use it. It's actually a really good product. I know they're expensive. They're like $40 or something, <laughs> but they do work. They will absolutely body a fly. But so I'm like, yeah, you know, um, salt tequila lime let's go and but instead of just licking the salt how about you just shoot me so i put on my safety glasses because that would be a bad idea if you got that in your eyes sure and then i was like hey hit me with that load it stings a little bit like a little <laughs> bit even from across the room but you can you stick your tongue out and you're like oh i got some salt i i it worked if you watch so. it, and I'll, I'll link to this in the show notes, but you, you can distinctly pick up the moment it hits you and you feel it a little bit watching the video. <laughs> You're like, oh, why'd you, why did you do that? Hope that was worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I only did it the once. I thought it would be really funny on film. I don't know. I just had an idea and it seemed you ever get one of those ideas in your head and you're like, well, there's no way to get this out of my head except to do it. I, uh, I one time put on a paintball mask and recorded. I don't, I don't even know what I was going for. It was supposed to be a funny thing, but like I had trapped a mouse. <laughs> like I've had some oh. really bizarre ideas that, that didn't play once, once I, I was like, okay, this is crazy. I have to stop. Oh man. I got to get now. Now you reminded me of this great comic that I saw today and it was, uh, the husband and wife and the wife says, honey, did you catch any mice in the mouse trap today? And it's got a circle of mice around a mousetrap, and one of them is being held head first onto the mousetrap. And he says, my ancestors are smiling at me, Imperial. Can you say the same? And then snap. <laughs> and he's like, no, nah, just the one. So I was like, no, nah, that's good. I think uh. that was a Skyrim reference, by the way, for those of you who might not have played it. Yeah, it's I, I think most Skyrim jokes are safely uh, received these days. There we go. Because you can pl it's it's becoming like Doom. You can play it on everything. Well, speaking of Doom, one of my favorite and here's where we get into the the Ouroboros, 
you know, meme eating itself forever uh, is Doom now has, well, I don't know. It, there's a Skyrim Easter egg oh, in no. it after you kill the first, are they called Hell Beasts? I don't know. The, Something like the that. tall guys with the two horns. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, after you kill your first one, you can drop down kind of to the level below it. There's a secret because there's always secrets in Doom. Sure. And when you get to the end of this little secret passageway to the special pickups, there's a skeleton with, you know, the helmet. It's the Skyrim with the two horn. It's the skull cap with the two horns. Kind of Viking, but it's the Skyrim helmet. Anyway, right. so it's a skeleton wearing a Skyrim helmet, and he's got an arrow in its knee. Oh, and you're boy. like, ah. <laughs> yeah, not hard. To, not subtle is what. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I don't mean to, like, ruin Easter eggs and stuff for people, but the game's, like, three years old. We, we can, I think, yeah, accept we're, that. We're past the uh, the embargo period on that one, I'm sure. Although yeah. I, I will tell you that Doom eternal is one of the games i'm super duper looking forward to yeah uh they are on point lately with these these latest releases i mean these games look just incredible now we're finally we have the technology they always wanted to have when they started making these games and now it's just a dream i got a pc i don't know six months ago or so and it's not because i don't love my xbox family i needed a pc for work anyway but i said Hey, you know, if you're going to buy this thing, make it play some games. Right. And, you know, I had I had bought uh, Doom on Xbox and then I bought it again on the Switch because why not, I suppose. And then Steam had it on sale for six dollars or some crazy amount like that. And I was like, well, I got to buy it again. And man, if this thing doesn't look amazing in a, at 180 hertz. I love high refresh rate gaming now that I have it. I always thought, oh, it's not a big deal. 60 frames is fine. Your eye can theoretically only see 28 and a quarter anyway or whatever the the thing is. And then it's like, no, 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 no. Like now 180 is like, oh, that's only okay. I'm looking at 244s and, and there's a 300 hertz out now and I'm like, Man, I kind of want one of those, but I don't want to spend the money on that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to convince myself that I'm happy with what I have and hope <laughs> I believe it. Yeah, I, I just got our first 4K screens in the house, and stuff like that is is sort of like chapstick. Like you can survive your entire life without it, or you can use it once and you'll just evaporate if you go too long without it again. So it's like, don't ever start. Well, the weird thing about ChapStick, unlike, of course, high-end consumer uh, electronics, um, is that you will you will never finish a ChapStick. That's true. It was a landmark moment. I saw my wife finish a <laughs> ChapStick. It was it was like a year ago. I remember it vividly. We were out in. I don't know if we finally got to go to a movie or something, but you know, with kid, you never get to get out of the house. But You're telling we me. had gotten out. No, no, no. We were at a bar, and um, I know drinking beer and chapstick is kind of like a no go. Yeah. Um, my my beer my beer fans out there will will hear me on this one, but I don't know. She decided for whatever reason she was going to use her chapstick, and it's like all of the universe's karma 
coalesced and it was like, you really shouldn't use chapstick while you're drinking beer. So we're going to use all of our power to just this rare opportunity. Boom. Your chapstick is dead. And she's like, wow. Do you know that it has a white part at the bottom? I was going to say, what's it even look like at the bottom? It's just it's just a white disc. It looks like chapstick. You just go (laughs) and it clicks out and then you try and use it and there's nothing there. And you're like, Wow, I have witnessed something that has never happened before. And I and I tell all this story because I have to brag. I finally now I bought this when I was 21. Okay. And I am now 30 almost 37. I have finally killed a bottle of Angostura bitters. Oh, I see. I own still, because I, I haven't thrown it away because it's that momentous of a thing. I have an empty bottle of Angostura bitters. <laughs> that's that's quite an accomplishment. I mean, we have several bottles of expensive alcohol that we were given uh, as housewarming gifts, as people do, you know. And a lot of times the stuff that takes forever to finish is stuff like the fruity pink vodka that someone brings as a sort of a joke or uh, whatever. But like, yeah, it, it's hard to go through that stuff, too. You're right. Oh, see, I send all that stuff to the Bad Idea Bar. Enjoy basketball, soccer, and all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using bonus code CAPITAL and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Plus, when you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. Download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code CAPITAL and place your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Now you're winning with the king of sportsbooks. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Dad deserves double the thanks this year. So this Father's Day, give him the power tool system that has everything for every job. The RYOBI One Plus tool system now on special buy. Over 260 RYOBI tools powered by one interchangeable 18-volt battery. And for a limited time, when you make a qualifying RYOBI purchase, you get one select tool or battery free. Feels like Father's Day at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Offer valid through July 31st, 2022. Valid at participating stores and online. Limit one per transaction. The bad idea bar. Oh, this you're you're gonna love this story. So I can't tell you about the bad idea bar without telling you briefly, perhaps, about Cola Warrior, which is an outfit I got involved in. I don't know a couple of years ago. So I've always been into uh, competitive shooting, um, pistol discipline. I shot in college, mm-hmm. uh, did pretty well. I was number six or seven nationally, something like that, and one. The you can if you Google my name, it'll come up. Uh, I won the Northeast sectionals in 2004. So I don't it's like it doesn't really mean anything. But if you want to <laughs> check out my story, you can you can do that. Uh, most recently, I got second place all Navy um, for 2018 last year, not this year. I had some other commitments and I was traveling. I couldn't make the matches, but oh, well, anyway, so. I'd always shot competitively and, you know, I'm in the military. I'm not an unfit kind of guy. I don't like to run. 
running sure. for fun is the weirdest. I think all those people are mentally ill. I think they're liars, um, but sure. I don't. I don't mean to. I don't mean to like make light of mental illness, but I mean they're wired differently. But we can make I mean? light of running. You know. Yeah. Though, no. Yeah. <laughs> At least crazy. I think crazy is a fine. That's all right. I think that's fair. That's, that's for, soft for enough. Anyway, so it was built by now. Of course, a marine invented this thing, <laughs> and it's five physical obstacles. You do a little obstacle course. Then you eat five peeps, you run half a mile, you shoot a number of targets, rifle and pistol, and then you have to finish it off by drinking six sodas. And (laughs) you get a five-minute penalty for every obstacle you fail, every target you miss, or every soda that you don't drink. And now there's a little bit of nuance in that last rule where if you puke, you lose the soda that you were drinking at the time, and then you can continue to drink – if you think you can get the rest down or you really want to do that, um, everybody does if you want to be competitive, but yeah. here we are anyway. Anyhow, so it's kind of a big party. Lowest time wins, by the way, and we've got some real superstars. So if you think about the time it takes to do five obstacles, and I guess just think kind of Ninja Warrior sort of thing, but like sure. built in a trailer park, you know, <laughs> yeah. we're talking. The original one, um, so Rusted Ace is his name, did it in his – he's got, I guess, kind of a training compound, a bit of land. He lo- he logs it. Um, he sells it out for um, pine logging. Huh. Anyway, not important. Kind of an investment. I guess, you know, you're deployed. He's like – he lives in Mississippi. Land's pretty cheap. So what do you do with your money? I guess that's a question that we all have to answer in some way. But I guess what are that. you working for? So we bought a piece of land. His family loves it. All his kids run around and jump in the river. And uh, anyway, so he's got a a 20-foot shipping container, Connex, the military term. Anyway, uh, he's got a 20-foot shipping container to, like, hold his tractor and stuff. So he, uh, you got to jump up on the side of the thing and hand over hand shimmy down this thing harder than you would think you think it's just like monkey bars but it's harder by quite a bit it would be much easier if you could just hang directly below your hands but because you're offset like on a lip ah it's way harder (laughs) anyway so like but obstacles like that yeah his time is eight minutes and less like normally the the guy is insane that includes a half a mile run and the shooting Man. And drinking soda. You drink – there are people that drink all six of these Cokes in less than a minute. What? So, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's really – it's serious. I've only um, been through bits and pieces of the videos, but I mean every part of this – It's a whole. It's a whole. Just, just Google Cola Warrior. And if anybody out there is – whether you're a competitive shooter or just a total novice or maybe you really like obstacle races like what if they got savage or tough mudder or yeah. all of those sorts of things see cola warrior is free it's entirely self-funded we donate for food porta potties nobody pays any entry fee i mean you know it's kind of like hey if we're gonna feed you for a week you know throw in 20 bucks and yeah. yeah it it is often wednesday through sunday like wow. it takes a while to run everybody because when you got hundreds of people anyway <laughs> so we've got this event 
And most of the time you're standing around if you're not involved in producing it or timing people or range safety or any of that. Like if you if you don't have a job, you don't have a whole lot to do. So, you know, we let people bring beer and whatnot. Sure. But we don't want people to get like totally trashed. So there was this idea set forth that was like, well, what if the only liquor we had was really bad liquor? So that gets us to the bad idea bar. So it's a military surplus uh, chest that held, I don't know, some piece of electronic equipment. But it's about the size of like a footlocker or whatever. And it travels around to all of the different events around the country. And it's full of – and by the way, this is not refrigerated. It's not like (laughs) actually taken care of in any respect. And it's filled with the nastiest stuff that you could possibly imagine. So again, all of the weird berry, it's blue for some reason. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, just all that kind of stuff. So the night goes on and certain people decide, oh, that sounds like a good idea, but it's a bad idea. <laughs> and they always pay for it and it's hilarious to watch. So yeah, that was – a mighty long tangent, but well, but this is part of your YouTube content and this is why this is part of why I had you do this because that's, I mean, pretty fantastic by any standard. The, the most recent video you'll see of me, I re uploaded it. Friend of mine named Tommy, uh, hosted Cold warrior, Texas. And he, that was my first run in Texas. I was not prepared for the heat. Oh God. So if you, if you watch it and I'm just, Fair warning, um, I'm puking. That's how this starts (laughs) off. And the language is not particularly gentle. I was – I experienced what some call the color rage that (laughs) after you consume this volume of sugar and caffeine that it has to come out in just raw emotion. So this was it was kind of a famous one. He uploaded it, but it was an unlisted video. And I said, you know what? Let me just record it. I'll re-upload it. So your audience now can experience, well, what I experienced, just dripping sweat and hurling soda at I don't even know what the velocity of <laughs> MSS is, but people, there you go. People go to the hospital and or die for much less than this. On a somewhat oh, that, regular that's basis. That's certainly true. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, we've never had a serious injury at Cola Warrior. We take safety quite seriously. And I, it helps that we're mostly in shape. Yeah. Mostly. We've got our, we've got our, uh, what, our outliers, we'll say. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, you know, nothing against them. It's fine. A lot of, it's weird because a lot of people go to one of these events and they see how friendly, And just everybody loves being there. Everything is a good time. And uh, you you get this kind of camaraderie. You get into a circle of friends. And I can't say enough just – and we can even pull this back to gaming – is that the people that you spend time with and that you want to be with, uh, that you want to emulate and that you want their respect – they're going to drive you to do great things. Uh, the collective pounds lost between there's probably like five or six hundred color warriors mm-hmm. now. 
the collective pounds lost has to be in the several thousands. I mean, it's, uh, there's been so many people that have gotten absolutely shredded. We had a guy, he's got, how many kids does he have? I don't want to get it wrong. (laughs) His name his his screen name is blitz 308. I can, I can do that. Um, I want to say he's got six sons. Oh boy. And, uh, he competed in bodybuilding. Uh, He's like 45 years old. He didn't win, but like he got like, he was on the finals podium somewhere. Yeah. Guy got absolutely shredded. You know, that's still the most shredded guy in most rooms. I mean, you know, Oh, he's, he's big. He's, he's the (laughs) big guy. I'm like, man, how did you do that? Well, he wanted to win. Didn't want to lose. Yeah. Yeah, he wanted to win this stupid competition where the only thing you really get is like joke gifts and bad idea booze. Like there's no there's no re- but he wanted to win and he got absolutely just swole. Yeah. So, you know, and he's not alone. Yeah. I think this does tie in in a very effective way because I mean, you yourself have a reputation of being a very competitive person, driven in life and in games. And uh, I think you bring to most games a competitive spirit that some people are not prepared for, don't know how to process, because, I mean, you know, maybe they didn't go through boot camp and they're and they're not slamming peeps on the weekend and drinking cola off hanging off the side of a a cargo. Uh, Well, everybody (laughs) plays games for different reasons, and I can certainly understand and appreciate that. My kind of take is that I I don't want to win for just the sake of winning. Like I want it to be meaningful. Mm. I want a competitive challenge, which is different than just wanting to win. There's games out there, pay to wins or whatever you want to call them there. And you know, of course you could just cheat, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah. But no, I, I want a competitive challenge Uh, for anybody wondering my big game right now and it has been for a while has been overwatch um i started on xbox a friend of mine said hey you got to check this thing out it's better than what were we playing were we playing not paladins that didn't that was the ripoff that came out later it was battle man how bad is it i can't even remember the name of the game (laughs) it was the one that overwatch came out like three weeks later and totally punked it oh um, I mean, Paladins was close. Yeah, but Paladins was like the ripoff. It's like Battleborn. Oh, That's right. Yeah. Gearbox. Yeah. yeah. So I had bought Battleborn and I'm like, hey, you know, this game's pretty cool. You get different heroes and there's kind of these story missions and there's this and that. And, you know, I eh, it was fine. It was, it was actually an objectively good game. But then Overwatch came out like three weeks later and stole its lunch money. So, um, I, I did ask, uh, a couple of people I've talked to at gearbox. Now I've just had the opportunity to interact with them. And I was like, you know, what, what did that battleborn experience feel like when overwatch came along and just, uh, tore you up, you know, whether it was a good game or not. And they, they honestly said we were just, we were so happy to be doing something other than borderlands for a little while. Like they all love the series and they're happy about the series. They're like, we still needed that break. And, uh, we would have loved to have a more popular and more successful game, but like this was okay. So I guess if it had to happen to somebody, (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, I'm sure their their uh, shareholders would not necessarily feel the same, but no, as far as the developers themselves, I'm do, uh, again, it was an objectively good game. Right. I enjoyed it. And then, you know, that's what they said. They, like nobody could have known. <laughs> you know? I guess not. But speaking of Borderlands, though, right. that's probably my number two that I'm hyped for. I would put Doom Eternal and then Borderlands number two. Yeah, Borderlands, I, I think we all hold a lot of hope for uh, some co-op fun and some uh, camaraderie in, in that one because it looks it does look fantastic. I, th- I think the key to victory is going to be everybody being ready for it. In the past, we've had groups get on where like one of us had never seen the game or loaded the game before. And so if you're too mismatched, I think it's it's hard to do. But otherwise, I think that's going to be a, a doozy for us. Yeah, I, I again, I've said this a million times in private, but my motto is I want to play games with my friends and I want it to be a, I want a little bit of a challenge. I want to work together. I love the teamwork aspect of, I mean, that's what keeps bringing me back to overwatch, which is the weirdest thing because I solo queue more often than not. Yeah. And you know, you get in the game, you're like, Hey, what's going on everybody. It's, um, Hey, what if I play this? How about you play that? How do you want to do this? Let's go around to the right. Okay. Yeah. Yay. Oh, we all got killed. Like, I mean, it is occasionally frustrating. Um, but well, your audience probably doesn't care too much about overwatch, but know that it's, it's better than it has been. And the big thing with games and keep in mind, overwatch is like three and a half years old now. Right. Um, to keep a player base interested and keep them playing. And it's a challenging thing. And there's some things that I think work really well um, for some developers and publishers, but then so much of what they do trades and I hope it's profitable for them, but it trades that monetization for the fun of the gameplay. And I, I hate to see it. Yeah. I, you know, I used to play vanilla destiny with everybody and even at launch. Now this was goodness, five years ago or so. Yeah. About there. Yeah. I, I remember staying up all night, like six hours at a stretch with all of us trying to beat the vault of glass. And when we finally got it, everybody was like, yeah, (laughs) you know, everybody was freaking happy we were loving life. It was 10 minutes of euphoria. And then we're like, Oh, we got to go to bed. We got work tomorrow. Yeah. But like, man, that feeling of just working together and solving problems and overcoming that challenge. I loved it. And then they just started fracturing their player base. Right. You know, Oh, uh, didn't you get the expansion? No. Well then we can only play these missions. Well here, this is the daily, but you don't have it. And, well, maybe we can invite so-and-so, and now all of a sudden you're dropping people from the party to go play with the guy that did buy it, and you know that's not to say that you didn't want to play with them, but it was like you, you know, you've got the, you've got the didn't-buy-the-thing party and the did-buy-the-thing party, and yeah. then they can't talk later. It's not like, hey, we did this. How'd you guys solve that problem? And it, like, it just it felt... It felt like they were just ripping their player base apart. 
I, uh, I agree that destiny actually jumped out at me as the perfect example as well, because when you said, you know, having that challenge so that we can actually feel something when we accomplish something, destiny was probably one of the best examples of that. I can remember. And I agree. It, it fell apart with just the, the nickel and dime and, and, uh, the, the grindiness and it's, it's easy to bag on EA as well. Cause I mean, yeah, they had right, such potential and uh, they had the best, I mean, look, just look at the voice acting. Yeah. Let's start there. You know, and sure, everybody made fun of, you know, Dinkbot, Peter Dinklage, and <laughs> they're in the walls. And you're like, all right, that's ridiculous and silly, but it's memorable. Everybody remembers they're in the walls. Right, right. No, not the least of why, because you had to play it 30 times, but. That too, yeah. Th- never mind that. <laughs> good, uh, good voice acting is. I, well, I don't know. Some we have some superstars in voice acting. Uh, the guy who voiced Geralt. I I still haven't done the whole uh, what's uh, the Witcher stuff. I haven't done that. But he he played a role in another game I played, and I thought, God, this guy's obnoxious. But he was trying <laughs> to be obnoxious in that role, and I found out that was him. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I find I, I understand why people respect this guy. <laughs> oh, oh, I see. That, that was that was the intended effect. That was Victor Vran. That was one of the first games I ever reviewed for a website. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and he follows you around throughout the whole game, just yeah, berating it was a, you. it was a freebie on Xbox. Oh, right. Um, whatever. Uh, games with Gold. Games with Gold. There you go. Yeah. So. Yeah, I played a little bit of it. Um, kind of a, uh, I don't know, like a North Korean version of uh, um, Diablo. Diablo, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, but I, I loved Witcher. I, I only ever played the third one, but I think that's a lot of people. That's true of a lot of people. That's, that's right. So, and now that's coming to Netflix. I, I don't get to follow all these adaptations, but that's really highly anticipated. Yeah. It's weird. Netflix does some stuff great and some stuff you're just like, what were you thinking? <laughs> I love their adaptation of Castlevania. I don't know what animation studio did it, but it was Fan. I mean, it basically follows the story of uh, the third game, mm-hmm. um, more or less. Uh, they got rid of the pirate. I don't remember what that guy is called, but the uh, the magician and the the very cleverly named um, Alucard, because nobody is going to figure out that that's Dracula backwards. <laughs> um. <laughs> you tricky bastards. Yeah. No, but I mean, the, the series was great if you haven't seen it and I probably don't need to warn you like Castlevania, there's going to be some monster slaying and like pool, literal pools of blood. Right. So yeah, maybe not for the kids, but for, for the adults, I thought it was, it was quite well done. Yeah. Well, our, our last show was with, um, an author who, is uh, about to release his book on the video game films of Uwe Boll. Ah, so <laughs> well, that's it. Actually, I might be interested in that just for as long as it's written with a little bit of humor. You know, right. I think you got to take that subject with. I don't think you can be super academic about it. As he described it, you can only compare it to itself. And well, I, that's, I that thought that was astute. Certainly true. <laughs> 
I don't know though. They have um, like you remember the old Street Fighter movie in the nineties oh, yeah. with uh, Jean Claude Van Damme. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. <laughs> that he, he. The problem is they cast him as Guile, who is a guy so American he has the stars and stripes tattooed on both arms. <laughs> Good point. And I'm going to kick that bison's so hard because it was PG 13 in the nineties. So oh, you had yeah. to sneak in one cuss word. Yeah. <laughs> and that was, I mean, that couldn't have been more than, I don't know how many years from uh, the mortal Kombat movie. They were sort of neck and neck. It was a, it was a golden age for video game movies. If you ask me, uh, super Mario with, uh, Oh man, what, what was that actor's name? Bob Hoskins. Uh, maybe that was uh, Mario. Oh, that's that's right in the movie because the the show it was different. Uh, the oh, yeah. show it was uh, man. Now see, I can't remember anybody's name, but doesn't matter. I even thought that was pretty good. Um, I don't think we can count Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as a video game movie, but if we were, the '90s ones were better. Yeah, that's true. Um, go go ahead, fight me. <laughs> I, I don't even care. I mean, don't get me wrong. The new ones were fine. It's, it's part of this. Michael Bay is only capable of making a movie so good. <laughs> Fair enough. Part of this is a problem inherent of, in being a parent because we uh, – that was a sweet rhyme I just dropped. But um, we have kids and we have to convince them that when we grew up, these things were fantastic. And it's right. like this yeah, was pre-internet. Like, eh. There was no cell phone. There was no anything. It was just us and our parents driving us to a movie theater so we could see this weird leather costume that this man climbed into so he could uh, pretend to be Michelangelo. It's just fantastic. You know, my oldest son was finally old enough. I was like, you know what? We're going to do it because he kept saying, nothing scares me. Um, you can't scare me. You can't get me. I was like, OK, here we go. We're going to watch Aliens. And uh, this movie absolutely scared the piss out of me as a kid. I was up all night with nightmares when I was his age. But, of course, it's also a very respectable good movie in its own right anyway. So I was like, well, you know, it's educational. You get to see what real good cinematography and no CGI good special effects looks like. And he was like, yeah, I don't know. It was It was all right. <laughs> like you weren't scared he's like nah not really oh like how is how does this work <laughs> people have I don't changed understand. society yeah, is just they, different now yeah literally human beings now occupy a different space in intellect than they used to it that's the only explanation <laughs> it's um i i grew up in i think you were a bit like me having grown up in sort of a, a at least church-like setting i mean you sundays and maybe the occasional wednesday or whatever you you put on yeah, something well, nice and go to un, unlike um perhaps you um i'm still in it we take the kids to church and i'm very much still a uh i i the the wager is real i i believe you know what i mean i i, I know what I you're laying down and, physical but and that this doesn't negate that that wasn't actually the direction i was i was pushing it but just having grown up in a setting where um, 
from a, a purely neutral point of view, you get up, you go and sort of commune with people and discuss things and talk about life and the way to live and, and, you know, discuss morals and things like that. Um, I think that's one of the best ways to look at how much we've changed, like post internet post this and like how we sort of, um, receive information, how we process it, whether we gravitate towards it or away from it now. Like, I don't know. Uh, that may be not be the best explanation, but I, I think that's one of the clearest ways for me to see like how much things have changed over time. I see where you're so well, people used to have those sorts of conversations in person and it's a different dynamic. And now people go to read philosophy on the internet. You watch YouTube videos of, I don't know, pick your favorite philosophical YouTube channel, if you will. Sure. Um, you know, there's there's no shortage of content for what you're looking for out there. But at the same time, because it's so easy to access, maybe there's less engagement. Maybe there's – and the interpersonal aspect that you said. It, it's different when somebody is explaining it to you because you know that that person is only doing it because they care about you. Sure. Whereas, you know, hey, I'm going to do this and I hope to get two million YouTube views and, <laughs> you know, that's how I'm going to make my living. That person, you know, maybe you don't really feel like they care about you so much. Do you, do you think we've hit the point yet where a, uh, a priest or a preacher has reminded the congregation to uh, remember to follow the church's YouTube? Has that happened somewhere yet? I laugh every time when uh, Father Han is our pastor. And he's tried to get us on. Now, it's a resource site. It's not YouTube. It's man. He tells us every <laughs> freaking Sunday. I can't even remember what the website is. Faith Direct. Okay. Is that it? I think I've heard no, of it. Or, yeah. is that, or is that the site that you have to donate through? I don't. You know what, man? I can't even remember. I've never done it. I'm not going on it. That's not how I want to. I feel like I'm an old man being like, man, just read a book, dude. <laughs> yeah, I um, I was going to a, a local university for an event recently and a guy offered me a Bible and I had to pause for a minute and I thought like, you know, it's, it's not that I feel like anger towards this person or anything like that, but I said, oh no, I, I don't, I don't need that. And he was sort of taken back and as if right. it was the first time he had heard that today. And I, I just said like, well, I've got the app. Like <laughs> you know, I've got the, yeah, I've got the app. I'm Wait, sure I've got a Bible at home too, but now I've got the app and I, I appreciate right. what you're doing standing out here. And it's nice that you care about people and everything, but there is a free app. Yeah. Well, Bibles are functionally free. They, there's all sorts of organizations. True. Everybody knows the Gideons, but there's others. Smash like, and sub on the Bible, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> How long until a priest or a preacher says smash the like and sub? Smash the like button. Make sure you subscribe. <laughs> Hit that bell icon so you know when church is. Hit the church bell icon. Yeah. It's funny, but in five years, it probably won't be funny. Like, of course he says that. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you call it the church bell? You know what I'm envious of? You, you are of the uh, Catholic persuasion. Is that right? That is correct. You guys keep it official. Like, you guys keep it traditional. And... So, like, what I mean is your your priest does not uh, roll up with the torn jeans and he's standing in front of the uh, the used wood crates <laughs> or, or does he? Nope. 
Okay. No, we don't. No, we don't do that. No, okay. there is uh, there is procedure for all sorts of stuff. Now, you would have me at a uh, metaphysical and spiritual meanings behind the various elements of the priest's uh, garb, but um, I'm sorry that I I can't do. I can't yeah. even name them all. I know there's a cassock somewhere in there. Like I'm sorry, they're all Latin words. Right. It's, I would say it's Greek to me, but it's literally Latin to me, and I. Uh, despite doing this all my life, I still don't know much of the Latin. <clears throat> you guys are using a different language. You're, you have ceremonial things. Yeah, it's, it's really weird. And when you roll into like the 90th minute of this, you're like, are we crazy? <laughs> Should we maybe like just make a couple of compromises? Right. But it's fine. Also, teaching young kids to sit still for... It's been an hour. Yup. And it's going to be almost another one. <laughs> I mean, Assassin's Creed will never make a badass reference to a Presbyterian church from Dayton, Ohio. You know what I mean? It's probably true. It's, it's just something from the outside. Keep in mind that, that Ubisoft is French. So who knows what they'll consider art in the future. That's true. That's true. So uh, before we go, share a thought or two on the state of Overwatch, just for fun. What's going on this week? Well, let me let me put it to you this way. So everybody's trying to climb the ladder. They want their they want their skill rating. They want their SR. I, if you're in gold, you want to be plat. If you're plat, you want to be diamond. You want to climb up. I deserve to be a grandmaster because I've got the skills and. I'm good enough and I'm smart enough and doggone it. <laughs> Jeff Kaplan likes me. But uh, the the truth of the matter is that in the history of the game, SR as a group has only ever gone down. They started out too high. Yeah. Um, and every practically everybody has lost. Sure. Some people have joined the game and they've, Oh, crap. I don't know how to play this game. This is the first game I've ever played. I don't know how to play games. And then they get to where they can actually use a mouse and yeah. know what they're doing. And then they climb to whatever their proper rank is. And there's no shortage of stories about it. But I started out in like mid plat on console and I'm like, man, this is a struggle. And I got up to diamond. I'm low diamond on console. I'm like, that's it. Now I'm good. I'm in the big time. I'm going to get a PC. I'm going to buy this game. I'm going to be fantastic. Once I can use a mouse, man, this is going to be wonderful. And then I place mid plat <laughs> on PC and I'm like, well, that's a bit lower than perhaps I was expecting, but we'll see where it goes. And then just this past couple of weeks, they added the uh, 222 roll lock and everybody's what's called the matchmaking rating. They readjusted it mm -hmm. and basically they, they, they soft nerfed it. Uh. Like they dropped everybody's like two to 500 SR below where they were. Um, top 500 is now starting in like the 41, 4200 range. Whereas before it was, you know, like 44, 45 and people were like, Oh, okay. I guess this is where we are now. But a whole lot of diamonds, are now plat and a whole lot of plat players are now gold <laughs> and so on down the list. And there's a whole bunch of people salty about it. I was in a game today and this guy was like, so I guess I'm a gold player now. <laughs> and I'm like, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything, dude. It, you're, you're, 
the, the number is made up. Try and have a good time. But man, th- and that's the hardest thing. So if I could like, if I could impress upon this and I don't know if it's a development mistake, I know Blizzard is very smart, but man, when you give players a discrete number, especially like a four digit number, yeah. they're like, you're this good. This is you as a person. This is everything that you can bring to this video game distilled into one four-digit number, and this is how you're going to measure yourself against everybody else that plays the game. And if that number is, like, in the middle, a lot of people are just like, I can't deal with this. <laughs> I, I, I can't accept that I'm average. Some, I don't know. That's, that's a bad mindset. There's some unfortunate psychology at play there. Yeah. So, I mean, I, and I'll tell you what, just to leave you on a good note, I actually took some metrics because I found myself going down into these negative thought paths. And I'm like, oh man, if there just weren't levers, if there weren't smurfs, if there weren't this, and then I'd be able to climb. So I started writing down the result of the game and why I think I won or lost. So in my past, I think I've got 15 on this piece of paper. So I got a win where we stomped the other team. We got a win where it was close. We got a loss where it was close. We got a loss because we had a one-trick tracer on our team that wouldn't swap and they sucked. Oh, well. (laughs) We had a loss because of a lever. Oh, well. We had a loss because of a Zarya one-trick that still didn't know how to use a grav. Oh, well. We got an easy win. We got a win where I was able to carry. We got a win where it was close, but I was able to counterpick and got it. So on. And it comes out, I got eight wins and seven losses over the past 15 games, and only one was due to a lever. Sure, you can blame some bad teammates for a couple of things, but at the end of the day, it's pretty even. And my SR is right back where we started a couple of days ago. It's... (laughs) You can't engage with games like that with the intent of wanting to rank up and be the man because you're not the man and you're not going to be the man. Maybe like 10 people in the universe are the man. Unless you're Jonak, you're not the man. It sorry. (laughs) So, you know, the the sooner you can uh, approach the game as is. And everybody wants see. I think that recent games have done this to our brains. Everybody wants something out of the expenditure of their time. And I don't know if it was Call of Duty Modern Warfare with like the levels and the unlocks. You're like, you can lose games all night, but you're like, ah, but I unlocked the next gun. And that's good enough. Or I got to prestige whatever. And that's something. I got this thing. And with all of the... um, you know, the looter shooters and the destinies and the divisions and all of that sort of stuff. You can have a night of totally not very good gameplay, but you'll still be like, well, but I got my one armor piece up two points of level. And you're like, but does that really matter? (laughs) We've, we've grown accustomed to expecting our games to give us something as a reward for our time. Even if it's a loot box or a skin or a, a something, man, I just want to get back to the days 
And I, I'm not saying it needs to be NES where once you turn off the console, everything's gone. Start from scratch the next time. Maybe it doesn't need to be that. Maybe we don't need to wipe out save games completely. But like, let's us as players get back to an, a mindset where we can be happy with just spending time playing games with our friends. Can we do that? Absolutely. I think that's a great place to leave it. Uh, as Cleveland Brown said, you, you don't win. You just do a little better every time. There you go. <laughs> and uh, so that's pretty fantastic, actually. If uh, people want to sort of follow you, where can they do that? I'm Trojan Man SCP on, I guess I'm on YouTube. Yeah. Um, that's about it. <laughs> We've got some Discord channels. If you're interested in Call of Warrior, just Google Call of Warrior. You'll find us eventually. And it's uh, it's not too hard. And I think we're, we'll have we're to... a weird mix of people, but <laughs> you'll fit in. An eclectic bunch. I uh, I think we'll have to do this again because we didn't get to talk about nearly as much as we might have liked to. So, sure. Well, fewer tangents next time, perhaps. Well, we'll we'll think about. It. I think the tangents are going to be pretty good. Okay. Well, glad to uh, be a service. Thank you for your time, sir. All right. Thank you, Ted. Appreciate it. All right, real quick. Thanks again to my friend, Ted. He did this on a moment's notice and we had a really good time. Actually, he wrote, he wrote the notes for the show himself. He's a great guest. Great guy. Uh, glad to have him around. Excited to play more games with him soon. Follow him on the uh, web. Check out Cola Warrior and all the cool stuff he's a part of. If you would like to also follow Game Dev Breakdown, you can do that anywhere podcasts are found. Check out show notes at CodeWritePlay.com. Check out our Patreon group at Patreon.com slash CodeWritePlay. And we'll be back next week with another great guest and another show for you. So keep playing, keep working hard. Catch you soon. Mm-hmm.